0: Washington from ktbs3 and we welcome you to the education checkup we look forward to sharing the positives and the challenges of our local schools we will talk with education leaders teachers and community leaders letting our community know what is happening and talking about ideas to share between schools and our community we will have new episodes every monday and you can find ktbs education checkup wherever you listen to podcasts. So let me introduce my co-host, Dr. Philip Roseman. Dr. Roseman, you are a firm believer in the American dream and you have dedicated the last 25 years of your life to education and making sure that everyone has the opportunities that they need. So tell me a little bit about your story.
1: Well, I appreciate it, the kind introduction, Troy, but uh, my parents, uh, from the beginning, taught us the importance of education uh, as my family and the importance of the opportunity that comes with education. That is, the American dream for me was to become a physician, which I did through through a great deal of education. A um, uh, few years into my career, I realized that my career as a physician in healthcare was very similar to the education sector. The healthcare and the education sector were very much alike. Uh, and. Uh, they're both the challenges of helping individual people with individual concerns, and not just manufacturing. So it's it's a, a difficult issue in improving schools and improving hospitals. Uh, but I decided at a point in my life about 25 years ago that I would dedicate some back to my community in the area of education and not just health care. Um, it is important. It's the key to the American dream. It's the key to our future economy. I, you know, it's a key for us to improve as a, as a community, period. Troy, we got a, a great opportunity today uh, to speak with uh, the Louisiana Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Cade Brumley. Uh, Cade, uh, what can I say? I've known you for a long time, um, even uh, early days being a, a teacher in Caddo Parish. Uh, not many people know you're a, uh, you're a homegrown North Louisiana boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Uh, Um, And uh, you've moved then to be the superintendent of schools in DeSoto. And I've got to tell you, you took a a district that was a rural district and made it one of the highest performing school districts in the state. Uh, So you know rural schools. And then you went and got a job as the Louisiana superintendent. Uh, I mean, the superintendent at uh, Jefferson Parish, which is going from a small district to a huge district, the largest district in Louisiana. And again, we're successful there. And I think Bessie saw that, uh, and they decided that you would be good as a successor over all the superintendent of the schools all over the state. When somebody asks me about you, what I tell them is uh, uh, that you're a common sense leader. Uh, I'm telling you that you are a turnaround agent, and the reason I know that is because you've done it. Um, When they ask me, I tell them that you concentrate on the most important things. I still remember sitting in the uh, chamber talking to you and you telling me there's three things we're going to do in DeSoto Parish. We're going to do early childhood education, we're going to do quality teaching, um, and we're going to have school career connections, and that's how we're going to make school better Mm. in DeSoto Parish. And I think you did the same thing at Jefferson Parish. And I'm interested today to find out if you're doing the same thing as a state. But uh, with that said, um, i just going to give you an opportunity. I know we always talk about the negative stuff. So let's talk a little bit about the positive stuff, okay? About what's going on positive and Louisiana schools. Well, thank you both for having me. I'm just thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to be home.
2: Uh, And Dr. Roseman, uh, it it has been said earlier, but like your work over the last few decades for education reform is is monumental. Um, Many people know you as a cardiologist, a world-renowned cardiologist, but uh, I know you as an education reformer. And and I'm thankful for the space that, that you have played there and the role that you've played. Um, look, we, we have a number of success stories. Um, whenever we think about the last couple of years across this country, they have been challenging. Uh, with a global pandemic uh, in Louisiana, we faced multiple named storms that other places didn't face. Uh, we've all faced uh, s- civic and social issues. Um, but when I think of the educational community in the state of Louisiana, relative to other places. I just am so thankful for the work that we have done here because we we seemingly have all worked together. Uh, And and I know that's cliché to say, but I really feel in this case we have. Whether it's been kids or parents or advocates or policy makers, uh, teachers, we, we all knew the importance of having our kids in school as much as possible. And you saw some of the fights around the country around whether or not that could happen or should happen. Uh, And and we knew that we needed to have mitigation efforts. And and we knew that we needed to make sure uh, buildings were safe after hurricanes. But everyone had an urgency to to return our kids to class. Um, And that's why um, I think that we've, we've done so well. Uh, even if you look at LEAP results, you know, for a long time in Louisiana, we've, our kids have taken the LEAP test to measure their levels of understanding in math and, and reading and science and social studies. Well, we, we took a hit, right, like everyone across the country did. Um, but whenever we look at last year's results from the spring of 2022, we, we saw improvement. We saw a level of rebound. Uh, when we looked at English and when we looked at math, we saw a 3% increase in the number of kids who were mastering content. And so that, that's the largest year-over-year increase in the state of Louisiana since 2016. So that, that's tremendous. But even, even when we get back to that level uh, of where we were uh, pre-COVID, it's, it's still not good enough because we've been long challenged educationally in our state. Uh, I think in many ways we've, we've overcomplicated systems we've tried to do too many things and we need to focus on some of those things that matter the most and you know i I just fundamentally believe that
1: we can and we will do better yeah absolutely it is wonderful to see i think what happened in our state as far as people working together and it was an observation of mine the same thing people came together during the COVID years okay uh, to try to maintain things as best they could as normal as they could under the circumstances, which gets us to talking a little bit about COVID, a little bit about the recovery from COVID. You know, I think we both know, and I think we've seen in uh, various media outlets, the major issue with COVID was on the achievement gap between those that are more well-off and those that are not. Uh, that certainly there seems to be this significant issue is a loss uh, in uh, especially low-income students. What are you doing or what are you proposing be done by school districts uh, in order to kind of mitigate this, the COVID recovery, to move us back as fast as we can to where we were before and way past that? Yeah. So that, that to me is a twofold question. I think we have to
2: think not just about recovery, but then we have to think about acceleration. Uh, so we, we have very clear data that indicate where we are as a state because uh, in, in last year's testing cycle we had roughly 99% of our kids assess. And so we have a good sense of where we stand in those key core content areas. Um, and we know that we've made about half of that recovery up so far. So we're about halfway there. Uh, we need a really strong year this year yeah. uh, so that we can make up that other half. And then it's about acceleration from that point. Um, we launched what's called Louisiana Comeback, and you can go to louisianacomeback.com. And on that site, you will find every school system in the state of Louisiana where we asked them to build a recovery and acceleration plan. And we said, you're, you're getting a number of stimulus dollars from the federal government that is designed for COVID recovery for kids. And what we want you to do is we want you to plan around attendance and well-being. So using those dollars to make sure kids are in school and making sure they're well. Next is academic recovery and acceleration. So taking care of those academic needs. And then the third is professional learning for teachers. So every school system around the state did that. They built the plans. We posted those plans after we approved them. Um, And then we also provided a, a financial transparency dashboard. So the public can go in on that website at Comeback.com and look at where systems are spending uh, the taxpayer money. And so I think by focusing everyone on just a few key things, that helped us achieve the rebound. And so this year, in this cycle, we have Comeback 2.0. And so the goal with 2.0 is to, to use the data that we have inform strategy to think about this year, fall and spring, and hope to see that second half of the recovery uh, at the end of this year and, and then we can focus on acceleration because we, we can all agree that where we were even pre-pandemic isn't what our kids where, where we need to be overall and, and it's not what our kids need and deserve and certainly our communities and our state
1: need better. You know I, I like the idea that you went straight to individual schools and went each individual school is a little bit different and they may have different things that they believe are important. and. The other thing, if I heard it right, is that we're focusing on the basic of mental health and issues like that and the recovery as it relates to that, even before we started to think about academic issues, because until we dealt with some of the depression and some of the issues, you know, I know in healthcare, our world, uh, we were dealing with a lot of uh, issues of depression, not just in the people that we were seeing, but in our colleagues you know, in, in our nurses and in our other physicians. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how you saw that happening and what the state did and what we should be doing as individual school districts to work on the mental health issue and the burnout issues that are all a, a part of this COVID deal. Well, for us, having kids
2: in school face to face every day was really important. Uh, And so even, you know, I made some controversial calls over the course of a couple of years to return kids to school as quickly as we possibly could. But what I was seeing is if you were looking at at national statistics and state statistics, we were seeing mental health trips to the ER increase. We we were seeing um, uh, juvenile uh, suicide attempts in females double. Um, and so we were seeing these these wellness situations that were going in the wrong direction. And then we knew um, that our, our kids would be better served, um, especially kids who are in challenging environments or don't have role models at home or or uh, they need those supports that the school offer or the nutrition that the, the school offers or the counselors or their friends. They needed to be in school. Um, and so that's why we were so aggressive at that, outside of even the learning issues. It just like the well-being of every kid and the supports that a school offers. And so we pushed on that. The, the other area that where we pushed, um, and we are continuing to provide service, is just the well-being of teachers and staff across the state. I mean, the, the pandemic impacted us all in some way, uh, and, and more so some of us than others. It was just different. Um, in so many ways. And so we provided uh, access to online um, um, uh, counseling services for any staff member in any system across the state of Louisiana so that they could access care. Uh, And we'll continue to do that. I think it's an important step as we think about another issue, which is teacher retention, uh, so that teachers can feel like they're getting the support that they need to, to be successful in their job.
0: I was actually gonna bring that up because the teacher shortage, that's a thing, not just in Louisiana, but all across the nation. So what are you guys doing? What are we doing right here in our state to make sure, like you said, you started as a teacher yeah. and you've kind of walked that journey. So you know what it takes?
2: Yeah, my, my, my first job in the education space as Dr. Roseman alluded to earlier. I was, I was a teacher up on Hearn at JS Clark Middle School here in Shreveport. Uh, and, and so that was my entry point into the classroom, entry point into education. I learned a lot in that experience. Um, but w- w- we have to think about removing barriers to the teaching profession for individuals who want to be there. Uh, for passionate people, uh, intelligent people, um, who want to work with children. We need to think about removing those barriers. So a, a few things we've done over the last year, working with policymakers, working with um, certainly the legislature, the, the first I'll talk about is thinking about children and our students, rather, in high schools uh, that might want to consider a career in education. And so we've been able to establish over 50 school systems with a pre educator program where students in high school can take college credit to become a teacher, some of those entry level teaching courses and so we've been able to take that um, a step beyond now with the Go Teach program that was recently funded by our legislature with a five million dollar allocation and so it will be the opportunity for kids in high schools who want to be teachers in the state of Louisiana and who want to go into colleges of education to receive a scholarship above tops to be a teacher. So you're almost talking about uh, the potential of free rides to, to universities in the state of Louisiana for high school students who agree to be teachers in the state. So that's important. Uh, the next thing that's important is we, we have passed um, uh, legislation that allow for individuals with master's degrees in any field uh, to be able to go into the classroom with supports, mentor teachers, uh, and if they have five successful years, they automatically certify. Uh, And then the third thing is retiree rehires, so individuals who have retired from the profession who might want to come back, being able to come back at at full benefits um, as well as salary plus their retirement. Um, But we also have to, like moving on, think about other ways to staff classrooms. Um, We need to make sure our, our students can have the best teacher they can possibly have and maybe that's virtual instruction in many ways where we can say this is the the best uh, math teacher in our whole system and so we're gonna make sure that more kids have access to this teacher and we're going to use other levels of supports for the in-class in physical supervision but we're going to give them access to this best teacher we need to think about contract opportunities for individuals who, who, who may have a math background and they might say you know what I could teach geometry a couple hours a day. I don't want to be a full-time employee, but I could do that a couple hours a day. We need to be thinking about that. So there, there are just a number of things that need to happen uh, whenever we're thinking about staffing our schools moving forward.
1: You know, getting back to the, some of the challenges um, of that um, with the teacher shortage, and I don't mean to delve on universities or anything like that, but just as a thought process, and we've had this conversation many times about, are teachers prepared when they get out uh, of the university to go into the classroom, and if not, what do we need to do to make that better? So I'm going to kind of throw a little wrench and in, in say, you just got the job as the, the head of the Department of Education at LSU, okay? What kind of things would you do in that role okay, to try to work you know, with teacher shortages? And what kind of programs do we need to do through our universities to help the people that you're saying have passion and want to do it, but need to get, get there? Yeah.
2: Well, if we look at just traditional education graduates, individuals who go into a college of education, um, they stay there, they graduate four years later, that, that difference is about 500 less graduates per year across the state in our colleges of education than just 10 years ago. So it's a significant difference uh, in the amount of individuals who are coming out. Now I would offer to you that we have a really strong relationship with our university system right now and they are really trying to be helpful in solving for this. Um, one of the things that's really important for them, I believe, is what are the things that are happening in the school every day and how can they rewrite or how can they write their programming so that they can align to what those teachers are going to face on day one in those, in those uh, classrooms. A very real example is the way in which we teach reading. You know our administration over the last couple of years has really tried to focus on like a back to the basics approach around phonics uh, as being the science of teaching kids how to read. But there, there have been in, in colleges throughout the country um, complicated, uh, challenging um, creative, maybe, ways to teach kids how to read, but most of that was just confusion. And so, teachers would, would come out of colleges of education and then they would step into the classroom and they wouldn't truly be prepared to understand how to teach a kid to read. And so, we, we are providing training for all of our teachers right now across the state on this back to the basic science of reading approach, um, but also our colleges are, are, are working their programming so that we don't have these issues moving forward, so that they're teaching their candidates the science of reading, this back-to-the-basics approach. So whenever teachers are are coming out of our College of Education, they're ready on day one.
1: Let's close this session with maybe a, a more difficult concept that gets bannered around a lot, which is accountability. So let me start by just having you tell us a little bit about why accountability? What is accountability in our state? Uh, why is it important uh, for us to to have that as a state? Yeah, it's certainly a sensitive topic. Um,
2: Accountability is a is a way in which the state of Louisiana has determined it would measure the quality of schools and so when it when it started we basically had a a star search system like you're a three-star school or a four-star school and over time that has evolved to a letter grade. So now every school in the state of Louisiana essentially uh, receives a letter grade based on the, the quality of what's happening in, in that school. I think an accountability system has to do a couple of things. One, I think an accountability system needs to signal to the school system and the employees of the school system the things that are important that they need to be working on. So maybe that's reading. Maybe that's career and technical education. Maybe that's college programming in high schools. Whatever those things are, I think it needs to signal that to those schools so that they can focus resource and attention. Uh, And the other thing it has to do is give the the public a really honest, transparent look at what is happening in every school across the state of Louisiana. Now, the place where we have had a void uh, is kindergarten through second grade. So our our early care centers, our daycare centers across the state, for birth to four, they get performance ratings. Beginning in third grade, we start giving school letter grades to our schools and school systems across the state. But the place where we haven't had any attention is kindergarten, first and second grade, foundational years. And so it's just been a glaring hole and so thankfully our state board accepted our recommendation and so now moving forward uh, within the next couple of years we'll be implementing a literacy based accountability system for K-2 which will be a simple literacy screener at the beginning of the year for every kid to determine where they are um, and then at the end of the year a screener to see what his performance like and how much did they grow. As a result of that that teacher and that school's work over the course of the year very simple model but it will it will provide focus to K2 that hasn't previously existed
1: so we're not getting everyone upset about having tests for kindergartners and that's going to determine their future that's none of that this is all about uh, actually the learning what the child's issues are and for the teacher to be able to correct them and to improve them by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, look, right now we do screenings at the beginning of the year
2: for for kids' reading ability within the first 30 days, but that looks different across the state. So we want to standardize that. We want to train people on that instrument so that we can make sure we get a quality measure and then it's going to tell us where those kids are and so then educators know how to respond based on, on on what that instrument tells us. The, the deficiency might be, or the kid may be on grade level. Mm-hmm. And then you just think about how do you extend them beyond that point.
0: Listening to you throughout this podcast, we've been able to kinda discuss your emphasis on early childhood, and from what I hear, that's something that you've always focused on. Why do you think that that is so important when it comes to uh, addressing literacy and just the trajectory of where that child is headed? Um, as we keep mentioning the American dream education, it all kind of ties together, correct?
2: Yeah, so I'm 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 not a brain surgeon, <laughs> <laughs> but some people are. And they they too will tell you that it is it is important uh, for kids to have experiences very early on in their life and for those to be positive experiences and substantive experiences. So we have tried to invest in ensuring that every child across the state of Louisiana uh, n- no matter the, the makeup of the family or income levels or, or anything else, if, if a family wants an opportunity for their child to have um, high quality care, birth to four, we have tried to do our part uh, to make that possible. Um, you know, some research will show the, the amount of a child's brain that's developed before they even get to kindergarten. Uh, and we know that, that too few of our kids are kindergarten ready on day one. And so the more uh, conversations that individuals can have with kids birth to four, I know it sounds odd, but but have real conversations with little kids and let them have those experiences. Count with them, sing with them, read stories to them, let them have experience and see things. Um, it, It just makes a
1: difference. And this has been a, a great conversation, and we're going to have—we're going to need a whole lot more, and want to bring you back another time and to talk about some of some other issues as we go through what we're looking forward to in, in Louisiana. Troy has been—I
0: uh, know it's so much to talk about. We yeah. could go on and on, but we'll have you back. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll have new episodes every Monday, and you can find KTBS Education Checkup wherever you listen to podcasts.